Hey, Doyle, are you disappointed that you asked Stephen to preach last week and you're preaching on a holiday weekend? People are going to be gone. No, I look around and see people that canceled their Memorial Day plans to be here today. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, I sure do miss Randall. I know y'all do too. He's having a good time and and, uh, he deserves it. So y'all keep praying for him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at that today. Do y'all, y'all like my slide? Let's see my slide. Y'all like this? See, so you think old life that way, new life that way. And that's what I thought when I first saw it. But, but look at it. Think about it. The old life is left. You get it? The new life is right, like right on. It's kind of a little hidden meaning there. I didn't even know it. I'm a genius and I didn't know it, y'all. We're going to look at another passage before we get to 2 Corinthians 5. So it's going to seem like two sermons, but not in time, just in subject matter, okay? It's intentional, so just go with me on that. You ever feel out of place? Like a sojourner? I feel out of place. At least recently, the last couple of years, I've felt out of place. You ever feel that way? I remember as a, as a, a child, I would hear adults say, um, Oh boy, I just, just come, come, Lord Jesus, just come. I'm just ready for you to come. And I would, I would say out loud, no, no, what are you talking about? Don't say that. I want to live, right? I want to experience life. But I think feeling out of place might be, it could be the result of getting older maybe. And, and so I start to have those feelings and maybe you do too. But I wonder if it's driven maybe by society, Maybe. Because I see, uh, uh, I almost said stupid, but I'm just going to say stupid. You ever see stupid things in society? Like wanting to throw out tens of thousands of police officers because of a few bad ones? Is that stupid to anybody else? That's stupid to me, right? And I'm so thankful that we don't do that with teachers. Because, you know, there's teachers that have sexual relationships with their students sometimes. And we don't say all teachers are horrible, And I'm really thankful that we don't do that with pastors. (laughs) Not too long ago, there was a pastor, a very popular pastor. If I said his name, you would know it. I had one of his books that renounced his faith. Do you guys remember this? Last year, maybe the year before. Since last year was a blur, it probably was the year before. And I think to myself, what... A, a, a huge thousands of thousands of people that he's responsible for spiritually and the damage that he caused by doing that. It's horrible. Horrible. So it's like, do I feel out of place because of society? Maybe I feel out of place because of church. And I need to tell you that I'm glad that you're here today, but who, who in here does not like me? Raise your hand. I want to see. Okay, hey. Only three? That's a lot better than I thought. Um, I predict that more of you are not going to like me when you leave here today. Because I'm going to say some hard things. And you're not going to like some of them. And what I would ask you to do is follow it up 
with prayer and Bible study because as a pastor, I think that we are entitled to our opinion just like anybody else, right? But I try to avoid that because then you have something to argue with me about. So if I can make the things that I do and say biblical, at least the best that I can, then I can say, well, your problem is not with my what I said, your problems with the, with the Bible, so you need to go there. So I wonder if me feeling like a sojourner, like I'm out of place, and of course I should say too that that's the way we're supposed to feel as believers, right? We, 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 we don't belong here anymore once we're believers. But we still want to be a part of society, so why do I have this feeling of being a, a sojourner? And I think it could be because I'm getting older, it could be because of society, or it could be because of the church. And this is what I mean by that. I heard a pastor say recently, as COVID got you beat down, are you weary and heavy laden? Come to Jesus and he'll, he'll give you rest. Is that good? No, that's not good. That's horrible distortion of scripture. We don't come to Jesus for physical rest. That's not what Jesus meant when he said that. All you who are weary and heavy laden Come to me and I'll give you rest. That means you're weary and heavy laden with what? Your sin, the burden of your sin is bearing down on you and you can't take it anymore. That was said by a pastor. You can find it on YouTube. Not right now. And so I think, is that, is that what's got me down? Listen to this. Jesus was a racist Homosexual behavior was never condemned by Jesus. Jesus wasn't God. Now you might think that those, that's just three examples. I had to whittle it down from about 600. You might think that that's controversial to say those things, but, but, it, but it's not. Those, those are quotes from Christian pastors. And if you weren't looking at me just then, I did air quotes when I said Christian pastors. And I did it hard too. I was like, I went like this. Those are quotes from Christian pastors. Not, that's not the words of an atheist arguing with a Christian. Those are quotes from Christian pastors. I once assumed that the greatest danger to the church was outside the church, but it is not. It's inside the church. The church is not lacking for people who say, I'm a Christian. The church is lacking people who chase after the likeness of Christ with all that they have and all that they are. Why is, why is the church lacking those people? Because looking like Christ goes against cultural trends. And people want to fit in. People want to fit into society. It's, that's a normal feeling. The church is anemic at best and I'm burdened by it and I've been burdened by it so what do we do about that well wouldn't it be nice to know if if we could just know all the real Christians like if you're a real Christian raise your hand see y'all are scared to raise your hands now <laughs> it's okay I kind of made you scared uh it's easy to say that. 
And since it's so easy to say that, how can we know if someone is truly a Christian? How can we know it? Should we know? Is it any of our business? Don't judge. You shouldn't judge. Another thing that gets under my skin, you could probably tell by the way I just said that. We, are to ju- we better judge. We are to judge what's good and true and right. If somebody walks in here and wants to join our church and then teach our third graders Sundays, we better judge whether or not we have them into our church body, right? We should judge. So stop saying that. We are to judge, and we're to judge biblically and based on our, uh, Christ's standards. But it's easy to say that, but how do we know true believers? Now, only a, true, only a, only a tree lover, a botanist, is going to know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is the definitive scientific way to know that an apple tree is in fact an apple tree? Do you know? It has, it has apples hanging off of it, okay? That's the definitive scientific way that they know that an apple tree is an apple tree. As you look at it, and it has apples hanging off of it. Look at this slide that was just put up for you. What do you see there? What is that? What is it? Fruits of the Spirit? I'm telling you that that's not what that is. Look at, uh, look at Galatians 5, 19 to 21. And y'all read this out loud if we get it up there. Y'all read that for me. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rival, dissension, division. There's so many of them. Keep going. Is there more? Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I wish those were all listed up there again, but when you look at that list, you need to know that some believers or some non-believers do some of those things. Some non-believers do all of those things. Some non-believers do none of those things. They find themselves in the and the like category. Did you notice how... uh, that verse in, those verses ended, just in case they weren't all listed, it said, and the like. Now, let's keep reading after that, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, if you look back On the previous verses, it says works there. The works of the flesh is plural. In the original language, it's plural. Because it might be one or two of those things. It might be all of those things. It might be none of those things. It might be and the like. But if you look at verse 22, it says the fruit, it's singular. It's not plural. In the original language, it's singular. The fruit of the Spirit. So your Bible doesn't say that that's the fruits of the Spirit. 
even though we say it's the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Those aren't fruits of the Spirit. They're characteristics. They're attitudes of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a package deal. The fruit of the Spirit is an attitude, and it's all those things. Every one of them. And they're all linked together too, aren't they? I mean, can you be kind only on Tuesdays because the traffic's not too bad that day? Right? Can you, can, you, can, you, can, you, uh, can you love without patience? Can you have patience with people without love? Can you have faithfulness without love? I would submit that you have all those characteristics or you have none of them. Now, am I saying that unless you're perfect, you don't look like a Christian? No. Some days I don't have all of those things. Some days I don't have any of those things. But it bothers me, right? It pierces me to my heart. And I go after Christ for forgiveness. And I, and I plea to please make me better. I wasn't kind today, and that bothers me. I don't want to be that way. Father, forgive me and help me. But if your works are, are evident in your flesh, right? You're not pierced in the heart about a single momentary act of unkindness. It doesn't bother you. What, what am I going to, maybe tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'll be an adulterer. So it's a, it's a package deal. Fruit of the, so now, now that we know what a Christian looks like, okay, what is the responsibility of a Christian? As a Christian, do you know that after you've been moved from death to life that you have a job? You have, you have, you have a responsibility. And it's not to be a doctor or a lawyer. It's not to get married, have babies. It's not to be a chef or to make it on Broadway. Now, that, that truth is going to bother some people. And it's probably because they've never been told that before. They've been told silly things like, you can be whatever you want to be, sweetie. You can do whatever you want to do, tiger. Not only is that it's just nonsense, it also leads to bad theology. And that may or may not be important to you, but that's the truth. And I understand that that might be offensive to some people, but a very wise man once said that just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Our responsibility as Christians, and the only reason that God leaves us here after we become a believer, why don't we just go, right? He leaves us here for a reason. That's one reason, and it's to do his work. Now, maybe you can do his work as a chef. I, I don't know. Maybe you can, but maybe you can't. And your, your skills as a chef should never overshadow the work that you are responsible for in Christ, Okay, I'm ready to start the sermon now. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Starting at verse 16, and we're going to work our way through the text. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Stop. Does that surprise anybody that I can't even get through one verse? We have to stop. In verse 16, we have to do something. If you've been in... 
a sermon of mine or a Bible study of mine, you know what it is. What is it? What do we have to figure out? Whenever you see therefore, you have to see what it's there for. So, look back previous to that. Verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might not, no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Now, if you're like me, <laughs> you just read 14 and 15 and you thought, huh, what? That's a mouthful right there, okay? There's a lot of theology in there, but we're not going to talk about that. This is what I want you to know. You can see why I started at verse 16 this morning. Here's what the therefore in verse 16 is saying. It's referring to in 14 and 15. As believers, the love of Christ controls us. Everyone has died in Christ no longer lives for themselves. In short, here's what 14 and 15 are saying. Is that this is a description of justification, being saved, being a believer, being a Christian. That's what it's saying in 14 and 15. So now look at verse 16. See what the therefore is there for. From now on, since we are believers... We regard no one according to the flesh. As believers, we don't see people the way the world sees people. I thought right then, when I was writing this sermon, I thought right then when people would go, wow. So somebody say, wow. Do you understand what we just read? Is the world following verse 16? From now on, since we are believers, we regard no one according to the flesh. No, we don't, to answer the question. The world, including many believers, are consumed with regarding people in one way, by the flesh. That's a biblical truth versus a current cultural trend and biblical truth is losing frankly it's not even close Paul is saying as Christians we don't judge books by the cover as Christians we don't have that option why because as Christians how tall or short someone is where they're from how big their nose is doesn't matter in God's economy and listen to this even the color of their skin is not what believers should regard. For many reasons, or for no reason at all, calling people a racist today is a very popular thing to do. Especially if you disagree with them about something else, politics or whatever. As believers, we don't regard anyone according to their flesh. You can't claim both of those titles. You, in, in my view of Scripture, you can't claim the title of believer and also claim the title of racist. You can't do it. At the end of verse 16, it says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Paul says, when I was my old self, Jesus was just a man. Jesus was a blasphemer, who deserved to be executed. Now as a new man, Paul says Jesus is God. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is my Savior. 
when Paul's view of Jesus was changed, how Paul viewed other people changed. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Okay, there's a therefore there again, so, but <laughs> real quick, what is therefore, therefore again? Looking back at verse 16, here's what verse 17 is saying. Since we are Christians, we don't look at others on the outside. That's what it's saying. Because we're Christians, we're a new creation inside. There's an old gospel song that there's zero chance of anybody in here knowing one, because it's 45 years old, at, at least. And the other is because I know that I'm, there's not too many people like me that like old gospel songs. But there's an old gospel song that has a verse that says, we all spend a lot of time talking about those B.C. days. That's before Christ. But the Bible says you're a new creation and old things are passed away. But the new man, he can remember his old miracle, can't, can't he? He can remember his old miracle. And that's good. He should remember his old miracle. But don't be like the groupies that followed Jesus around, right? Looking for the next miracle show. That's what they were doing. Just look around you. Even right now, look around you. There's miracles probably sitting next to you right now. If you don't know Lewis and Carla, you should get to knowing them. No, Lewis wasn't paralyzed and now he walks. I'm not trying to embarrass you, Lewis. Although I do I want, you to, I want you to come up here and say a few words in a minute. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking, Lewis. Lewis was never paralyzed, and now he can walk. He was never blind, and now he can see. But Lewis has got a miracle story, don't you, Lewis? He said yes, in case you didn't hear him. Reconciliation, being made right with God, by God, is instantaneous. The old Lewis is gone. The new Lewis is here. Let's look at 18, 19, and 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now these three verses together answer the question as believers, what is our work? Here it is, right here. Five times in those three verses we see this word, reconciliation, in some way or another, reconciled, reconciliation. That's our work. This, this is why we don't drop dead as soon as we become a believer. Not to be a lawyer. Not to chase after your dreams on Broadway. The ministry of reconciliation. That's our work. That's why you're here. Whether you like it or not. Now, is that good news? If you're a believer, you're saying, yeah, that's good news. Well, I like that. Woohoo! But if you hate Christ, if you hate Christians, if you hate church, that's not good news. That's not even bad. That's, that's no news at all to you. You couldn't care less about being reconciled to God because you hate God. You're an enemy of God. But the good news of Christ is that it can end. You can be reconciled to God. Let's go through these three verses real quick. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All this is from God. Sinners can't devise a plan 
to make reconciliation happen? We can't. Thank goodness we can't. Because if we could, we would be like all the other false religions in the world because that's exactly what they do. They devise a plan for things for for sinners to do to be reconciled to God. And I'll say God in quotes there, or little g. Christianity is completely different. Christianity is God determining a way. And it gets better than that. It's not just God determining a way. It's God accomplishing that way to reconcile sinners. But he gives us the privilege of participating with him. So stay with me on that. Look at verse 19. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Not counting their trespasses against them is simply God forgiving sin. That's what that is. We're made righteous in Christ when God says, I'm not counting your sins against you anymore. He isn't saying there aren't any more sins. Thank God, right? He isn't saying your sins don't exist any longer. They're there. But he's not waiting to say, okay, okay, you're perfect now. Okay, now I see you're perfect. Now I'll reconcile myself to you. God's saying, I see your sin, and because you're mine, I, I got this. I got this. But now your duty is to represent the name of Christ and to do it well. And that's where my woe is me is. It's your duty to represent the name of Christ and to do it well after you become a believer. You don't just say, okay, I'm a believer now. I'm going to go ahead and just keep doing what I was doing. And it's because it's settled. It's not settled. We're saved by grace through faith, justified by, by faith alone. Okay, I get all of that. But you have a duty and responsibility after you become a believer. You're not just done. Let me go finish my chef degree. Or whatever. I don't hate chefs, y'all. I don't know why I keep bringing that up. <laughs> In fact, you can look at me and probably tell I, lo- I love chefs. Do you take wearing the name of Christ seriously? I mean, I'm, I'm just asking that rhetorically. Think about it. Do you take wearing the name of Christ seriously? Because I got to tell you, the world is watching the church. And it's hard to determine a difference between the world and the church. It's getting harder all the time. There's this disconnect between uh, the name of Christ and the behavior of people who say that they claim that name. There's a disconnect, and I can see it, and I'm burdened by it. I tried to tell this story at house to house, and, and I, I messed it up, so I'm just going to mess it up again. I can't remember where I read it. You know, if you read a lot, you kind of forget to where you started remembering things where where they were and all that but it's something like this uh, and it had to do with this idea of claiming the name of Christ but your behavior not lining up with that label that you wear Alexander the Great probably the greatest battle mind of all time even today people say that right Alexander the Great uh, three or four hundred years before Christ um, rumor has it that he actually died in, in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom 
Um, but Alexander the Great is on the battlefield, front line with his men. He always was. And there was a soldier there. He was watching the soldiers. And one of the soldiers took off and ran off into the woods as fast as he could. And Alexander the Great saw it. Well, that evening, he's back in his hut or tent or whatever. And uh, the commanding officer brings in that soldier and stands him before Alexander the Great. And he says, soldier, what's your name? And the soldier said, and Alexander the Great said, soldier, what's your name? And the soldier said, and he got close to him and he poked him in the chest and he said, soldier, what is your name? And the soldier looked at him and said, Alexander. And Alexander the Great took a step back and he said, soldier, why did you leave the front lines? And he said, I was scared. He said, all right, you need to change your name or change your behavior. We need to guard ourselves, y'all. We need to make sure that we're not trampling the name of Christ underfoot just because we put a label on And we do that when we call ourselves Christians, but we look, think, and act like the world. we got to wear the name of Christ in a manner that's worthy of him. Or we got to stop calling ourselves Christians. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Our role as ambassadors for Christ is to tell people that they can be reconciled to God. This is the privilege I referred to earlier that we share with Christ. This is how Christ does it. He doesn't need us. He gives us the privilege of sharing with people about him. Beggars showing other beggars where they can find bread. And we are to implore others. That doesn't mean to beg. To implore somebody means to beg desperately. None of this is separated from faith, okay? Faith is a part of this. Faith is the means by which reconciliation happens. We're begging for people for a response to believe in Christ and his work at the cross. If somebody asked me to do such a silly thing, and I kind of hate this idea, hey, what's what's your favorite verse, those kind of things. I don't really like that, but sometimes I'll make up something and give a verse. But I don't really like to do that. But if somebody asked me, uh, to, to, to pinpoint the greatest verse in the Bible. Verse 21. Galatians 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for a sinner such as I? You know that song? That's an old hymn. Very few hymns, very few hymns have bad theology. Almost all of them have excellent theology. There's a lot of reasons why churches don't sing hymns anymore. I have a personal preference, but that's not more important than anybody else's. 
But there, there's many reasons we don't, and here's one of them. is because this song has been contemporized. Is that even a word? Contemporized? Is that better? Did you know that when Isaac Watts wrote this song, I know hymns, y'all. I love hymns. Fanny Crosby was brought to faith because of this song. If you don't know Fanny Crosby's name, get an old hymnal and scroll through the hymn and look at who wrote all those hymns. Fanny Crosby will be like every other hymn. She was brought to faith because of this hymn. And this is not the way Isaac Watts wrote it. He wrote those as questions. And we contemporaryized it by taking out the word worm, replacing it with the word sinners. Why? I suspect because most congregations couldn't bear the thought of calling themselves a worm. And that's the truth. Too low of a view of God and too high a view of ourselves. Isaac Watts wrote this song, those first two lines, as questions. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? God took the sins of a rebellious worm like me and he put them on Christ. And then he took the beautiful, life-giving, eternal righteousness of Christ and he put them on me. If you don't know Christ today, I beg you desperately to be reconciled to him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for a time in your word this morning. It was good for me. I needed it. It always is. Amazing love. How can it be that you, our king, would die for us? It, it, doesn't, it's, it's a, it is a question. It's like it's unbelievable. Why would you do that? Not for some great earthly kings, but for worms like us. It's unbelievable, which makes us all the more, it should make us all the more thankful and grateful. Thank you for doing it for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.